welcome to Fraggle Talk Classic, the unofficial Fraggle Rock podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. My name is Beth, and I am rewatching for the millionth time. My name is Julia, and I'm rewatching for the first time in 10 years. My name is Adam, and I'm rewatching for the first time in this lifetime. I can't speak to any previous lifetimes, whether or not they exist, if me in them has watched. <laughs> so just disclaimer, the lawyer said I had to include that. Makes perfect sense. Indeed. And today we are talking about episode 11 of season one, Catch the Tail by the Tiger. Cool, cool, cool. Let's talk about Doc and Sprocket, because yeah. y'all, I gasped when <laughs> Doc offered Sprocket a piece of candy and then immediately leashed him up and was like, I'm going to take you outside. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's set the scene. So there is a <laughs> big thunderstorm happening outside, and Doc mm-hmm. is in the mindset of like, this is perfect walking weather. Let's go for a walk. And Sprocket is obviously terrified, and they've clearly lived with each other for a while now, and Doc should know that Sprocket is a dog who is afraid of thunder, which is a very common thing for dogs, mm-hmm. and yet Doc mm-hmm. is like, hey, let's go do this walk, and then like he's like, oh, well, I'll just give you this like red licorice, and then leashes mm-hmm. him up and is like, we're gonna go outside, and I gasped. I was like, I mean, and and here's the thing: I, as a dog walker, I have done that to dogs who trick them to like get them to go outside to go to the bathroom, or try to trick them of like if they've got something in their mouth that they're not supposed to have, like you trade them for a treat or something. But mm-hmm. the the relationship with Doc and Sprocket is clearly not a realistic like depiction of a dog and their owner. And yeah, just him being like, "I'm gonna make you do this walk in a thunderstorm that you're terrified." We've we've talked a lot about Doc and his tendencies as an owner, and <laughs> it just feels like it's part of the trajectory of should Doc have a dog? <laughs> Which also like and like I get wanted to go for a walk in a storm. That sounds like a great time. Leave your dog at home. Yeah, just leave the dog at home. Just go by yourself. Go see if you know your neighbor who you have an on again off again friendship with wants to go with you. Mm-hmm. Maybe let your dog just like get your dog a little thunder jacket and let him hide under the bed and yeah. Let him, you know, ride out the storm. Get him some some nice anxiety medication or something, you know? I will say, he does bring out the lightning deflector. So, real quick. Oh, yeah. Do we think Sprocket is a Red Vines guy or a Twizzlers guy? Everyone's a Red Vines guy. <laughs> Twizzlers are disgusting. Were Twizzlers even around in the 80s? Oh, good question. No, Twizzlers exist when the guy who made Red Vines tried to make a deal with the devil and he made a wish on a monkey's paw for something as successful as Red Vines and he got something that looked just like Red Vines and sold almost as well but actually tasted like the incarnation of sin and regret. I mean, yeah, Twizzlers taste like plastic. They're awful. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry, y'all. We made it 11 episodes and now the podcast has to end because I'm are a Twizzlers you? girl and I hate are the you? Red Vines. Oh, kidding here's me, the Beth. thing though. There's more of us than there are of you we can keep the podcast going <laughs> and we'll just distract you, you and every time it's your turn to talk we'll just offer you a bite of twizzlers and that'll keep you busy for five minutes because that's how long it takes to chew a bite of twizzler <laughs> oh goodness this is the, the how we're starting off this episode okay <laughs> now it's really gonna test our resolve because if fraggle rock is all about like living with different kinds of people and like embracing our differences then See, but the thing is, is you're missing the episode that is, it's the Lost Season 2 episode where they have, the whole thing is about embracing differences, and then they find out that the secret sixth fraggle, Blumbo, is actually a fan of Twizzlers, and they banish him. Blumbo is no longer allowed to be there. He takes his Twizzlers and he leaves. There's a whole song about it. 
Honestly, that sounds like it might actually fit in the canon. It definitely exists on my AO3 account. <laughs> Blumbo. So yes, let's talk about this lightning deflector hat. Yeah, I mean, we won't... We could talk about the end of the episode when we get to the end of the episode, but when when Doc brought it out, I immediately said, that thing is going to get Sprocket struck by lightning and will kill him. Yeah, like, okay, so so he says... In the unlikely event that you were struck by lightning, this rod here will collect the electricity and channel it down through the coil of this transformer. Now, I know, personally, I know nothing about how this hypothetically would work. So if anyone out there is more of a sciencey person than me, and you know for sure whether or not this would work, please let us know. I just want to know which transformer it was. Like, it's got to be one of the little ones, right? Ah. You couldn't fit Optimus Prime in there. Maybe Bumblebee. I should have known that was coming. <laughs> but then he's, he says, of course, I haven't tested this invention yet. Like, excuse me, sir. Right. Yeah, he's putting a lot of stock into this thing that looks like it's made of metal. And he's going to put on his dog's head. Which, to his credit, he also wears one when they come back in later. Like, yes. he's willing to take the same risks. Yeah, I don't know if that makes it better. I mean, it doesn't make it. I think it makes it less worse, but I don't think it makes it better. Right. I suppose I suppose so. Like the bad pile is smaller, but the good pile's not bigger. <laughs> so, spoiler alert for the end of the episode, Sprocket is fine. Sprocket will always be fine. Sprocket will never go to live on a farm upstate where he can run around and chase rabbits. Sprocket lives forever. Sure. Double spoiler, Sprocket apparently got struck by lightning and loved it. Yeah, okay, Sprocket so had guess, a great time. I guess we're just getting to the ending. Yeah. He, when he came in and was just like frazzled from the lightning, I was like, Doc, what are what are you doing with your dog? <laughs> yeah. He yeah, and he was super stoked to go back out and, and do it again, which I don't know if that's like the best note to end on for a kid's show where it's like, see kids? It's totally fine. Go get struck by lightning as long as you're wearing like a little aluminum foil hat with a light bulb on it. You'll be just fine. Go play in a thunderstorm near like lightning. I, I guess it fits the theme of overcoming fears. But to me, that wasn't the stronger theme in the rest of the episode with Gobo. Yeah. Yeah. Which, speaking of, great pivot. Let's get to the rest yes. of the episode. Let's, let's do that. So uh, Gobo is there to go check for letters for Traveling Matt, but there haven't been any for like two weeks, mm -hmm. and they're all really nervous and worried. Um, there's also a moment, and this is, again, getting into sort of the deeper lore questions that I, as a finicky pedant, am going to be getting into. They're like right by the edge, and Gobo's about to go out, and Red and Wembley are there, and Wembley's like, it's got a helmet, it's dressed for battle, because he sees Sprocket with the, the helmet on. Mm -hmm. And then there's the thunder, and Wembley goes, it's starting! And I just, do Fraggles not know what thunder is? Hmm. They probably don't encounter it very often. Like, only if they go outside to the Gorg's Garden mm -hmm. would they encounter weather. Yeah, they live in caves, which are presumably underground, or, you know, just in a large structure. There's a lot of questions about the realm and universe that the, the Fraggles caves dwell in mm -hmm. but yeah i guess they wouldn't necessarily come face to face with thunder unless yeah they're in the gorg's garden or they're exploring outer space yeah uh but that, that was a trip and cute little world building thing yeah yeah there, so you know wembley's like no don't go and gobo declares a fraggle's gotta live by the rule of the rock and then doesn't elaborate on what that means 
rule of the rock. No pinching. <laughs> That's a good rule. Unless it's consensual. Yeah. Um... It is a trip, though, because he put that's the first time he puts on this kind of like almost like a John Wayne kind of a cowboy affectation. Yeah. Um, and Red makes fun of him for it. She's like, you need to take more theater classes, <laughs> which can I just say? Great burn. Real good one, Red. Red's always got really good burns. Yeah. Mm hmm. So Gobo goes, checks. Uh, and there's a great little joke that made me laugh uh, while he's gone. Wembley's like, oh, my God. Are you where Red? Where are you going? And Red's walking away, and she's like, "I can't stand the tension." But she yawns. She's like, oh, "I can't stand the tension." And it's like, "Yeah, you seem real tense there, bud." <laughs> Yawning is also just like a theme. There's like a under like everybody's yawn. The rats yawn. The trash heap yeah. yawns. There's just a lot of yawns in this episode. Oh, yeah, I didn't even clock that. Yeah, I forgot that Red yawned. So you're right. That is that's definitely popping up again. Hmm. Yeah, I remember the red red yawning and like just kind of like throwing shade at the whole situation of being like, oh yeah, it's so tense. But yeah, I don't know. Like later, if there is like any correlation between the two, or if just you know, the rats were just waking up. Hmm. Hmm. So of course, of course, Boober gets this great line because oh, it's so good. <laughs> Gobo comes back. There, there's still no postcard. There hasn't been for almost two weeks, and Boober sounding downright chipper well maybe a big crack opened in the earth and swallowed him up just like this nightmare i had and he brings the nightmare up multiple times throughout the episode yeah. must have been a very mm -hmm. vivid nightmare very fresh in his mind can we can we make it an instagram account for boober just boober quotes <laughs> and just like boober, well, boober quotes but like use them to sell just kind of like frou-frou mlm spiritual stuff <laughs> boober would never no, he wouldn't, but his quotes would. I was thinking Moki be would be the one to get into an MLM. Yep. That. <laughs> they should do Oops. that on Return to the Rock. <laughs> oh, they might. Oh, oh, the whole lesson is just like, kids, don't fall for an MLM. Right. Don't fall for an MLM. Moki did it. She learned. <laughs> and you can learn, too. Always follow your dreams. Unless that they are pyramid schemes. Always follow your dreams. <laughs> they gotta hire you for season two now. Um, there's also, like, a quote from, like, Red, where she she said that, because they were talking about the postcards, and she says that Matt's, like, too cheap to buy stamps, which mm. raises questions in my mind. First off, that Fraggles know what stamps are, and also, if if he's not getting stamps for postage for the postcards, like, is he just dropping them off at Doc's house every time he has a new postcard, or does he have just a deal with the the mail carriers or something like how are these postcards getting back to docks every almost every day when they're coming in frequently and it also throws the wrench in the works of red having some grasp of what it means to be cheap that's true like a mm -hmm. monetary system two episodes they, ago they didn't know what money was yeah hmm, hmm. just little little inconsistencies but yeah i don't know that that stuck out to me but I'm sure it's just a throwaway line mm -hmm. to just like her throwing even more shade at Matt because she hates his postcards. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So uh, they come back. Postcards aren't there. Uh, and there's this amazing scene where they're talking like they're walking and they're talking and Gobo's talking about how he's going to have to go get Matt. But they're walking and it's very clearly just the puppeteers kind of bopping their heads, their hands up and down. Mm -hmm. There's a green screen behind them to make it look like they're moving through space and there's a gradual zoom on the camera to increase the illusion of moving through space. And and I 
have not clocked this, and I want to go back and watch the episode to see if they do this. As the cave on the green screen gets bigger, the reverb tail on the audio of their voices gets longer. Oh, wow. What? I did not catch that. Yeah. They change the reverb gradually as the cave that they're in gets bigger to complete the illusion of moving through space. It is such a subtle detail, and it's so cleverly done. Dang. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's a credit to all the people behind the scenes of Fraggle Rock. Like, it's just so seamless that I mm-hmm. I, I did notice that they were on a green screen, obviously, like the way that they were filming it. But yeah, just like the little details to just make it so much more fleshed out and feel so much more real. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I love that. Yeah. So Gobo says that, you know, if anything ever happens to Uncle Matt, it'll be his job to go out and rescue him. And, you know, Red laughs at the idea, says he couldn't find his way out of his back room back there. And I I, I don't miss the, you know, we talked about, like, the, the kind of meanness between characters of these early days, like, mm-hmm. teasing each other a lot. Like, it, it's kind of okay when, you know, Red is, like, rolling her eyes at, at Uncle Matt's postcards, like, she's got some great burns. But when Gobo and Red are, like, constantly antagonizing each other, that's when it feels a little uncomfortable to me. Mm-hmm. But there's a moment of growth here. Oh, yes. She says a really mean thing. Wembley laughs. Moki doesn't. Interesting. Moki just kind of looks over at Gobo and looks back and at Red and then looks over at Gobo again and is kind of confused. And then when Gobo has like a negative reaction, Wembley flips and is like, yeah, Red, why are you being mean? Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, it's subtle, but it's definitely a moment of like, hey, like maybe we shouldn't be mean to each other. I mean, that clocks for Wembley just because he flips like every other minute but that's a good point about like Moki and showing like you know not all of the characters are like you know in the same mindset well he also like he'll flip but he won't confront people with the new stances he takes yeah Willie that's fair I mean yeah it could be a bit more like confrontational for him than normal where normal he's just like kind of siding with people or backing folks up yeah yeah I guess that's fair yeah Wembley Stands up for himself and his friends when it gets, like, really important, Mm -hmm. but it'll usually take him a whole episode to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, um, it's, it's, again, and it's not, and they don't draw attention to it, right? They don't make it a big thing. They don't make it a very special episode. Yeah. But it's there if you're looking for it. And even if you're not, your subconscious is going to pick it. It's, I don't know. I really like that moment. And, oh, Red is going to go on a whole emotional journey about yeah oh yeah though there's a really great little prestige moment here with red at the end that i have notes on Mm -hmm. so gobo says i better do like a doozer does and get on with the job and i i just hope that that's like a common saying for them i mean he's doing it in the cowboy affectation so eh. either way it's great though like the lines that he says with this specific sort of like i better do what it's that specific cowboy affectation is very funny yeah. Yeah, I noticed just like yeah, the delivery, the line deliveries of Gobo in this episode are like they feel different than like we've seen Jerry Nelson play the character before for whatever reason. Like mm-hmm. just because maybe the tone of the episode and he's trying to play like Gobo more serious in this moment because you know he's being confronted with this big thing that he's gonna have to do and he's secretly very scared to do it. Um, I have. So many thoughts about this when we get to the turning yeah. point. I have so That's many fair. thoughts about this. But yeah, I, I yeah the line to delivery. Yeah, I was gonna say after this we kind of go into the first of. Are there three songs in this episode? Sort of. So the last one is just kind of a slower, sadder reprise of this one. 
Oh, that's that's fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but this first one is the that shares the same name with the episode name. Yep. Yeah. Catch the tail by the tiger, and for me, it gave a whole lot of Jimmy Buffett feels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's very tropical calypso feeling. Beachy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I liked the the content of it a lot. Um, the the concept of yeah, no, do this. Do this the most difficult way you can, because it's worth doing difficult things, because that's how you grow. That line where Wem's like, isn't it catch the tail by the tiger? And he's like, yeah, if you want to do it the easy way. Mm-hmm. That's not a thing you see a lot in any kind of media, regardless, like especially children's media. And putting that out there to be like, yeah, no, sometimes it's worth doing things that are really difficult because they're difficult. Do it the hard way. You'll grow more. Yeah. Although it's especially worth noting that Gobo is voicing the sentiment when he's very much trying to psych himself up to do the hard thing uh-huh. that mm-hmm. we'll find out later he's very scared to do and does not want to do. Yeah. So it makes sense that he'd be like, not only am I going to do it, I'm going to do it the hard way. Yep. Um. So does anyone want to hear about the origins of these human phrases that are woven into this Fraggle song? Yes. <laughs> if, you, if you have that information. Of course I do. I did like, we've talked a lot about how like the con, like anything that they say in the songs is like it's out of context and so there is like a lot of allusions to things in the real world but i was like these are a lot of human phrases and sayings that we have that the in this song the fraggles are very familiar with yeah yeah so i'm quoting here from nmk.world i don't know what sort of a site that is apologies if they're terrible they say, to have a tiger by the tail is a complicated situation. The phrase refers to something that may be more dangerous or difficult to escape from or uncomfortable to continue. It can also mean that you have your hands on something that's much more powerful than you know or understand, uh, which Gobo is definitely doing here. Yep. Continues, some believe that the phrase originates from a Chinese proverb with a similar meaning that says, he who rides a tiger is afraid to dismount. Which mount? Basically bringing up uh, a similar image of, you know, someone encountering a powerful beast, but having to stay in uncomfortable control of it. Yeah, that tracks. Um, And then to take the bull by the horns, this is from idiomaorigins.org. Some sources maintain that it is an old Spanish saying first attested in England from the 18th century. Uh, Others maintain the expression is a lot newer from America during the 19th century from the sport of bulldogging in which cattlemen would wrestle steers to the ground by their horns. That was a thing? I Look, I've been very bored, but I've never been, eh, sure, I'll wrestle a bull bored. (laughs) Not worth it. And then, so the phrase, so the, the song lyrics go, a bird in need is a friend indeed, which is a mashup of a friend in need is a friend indeed, and some other proverb about birds. It could be bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Exactly. One of those. So, of course, this one we don't know the origins of either. Uh, It says a version of this proverb was known by the third century BC. Quintus Ennius wrote, Amicus certus in re inserta cernitur, uh, (laughs) translating to a sure friend is known when in difficulty. Wait, hold on. What was that again? (laughs) Amicus certus in re inserta. Cernitur. I hardly know her. <laughs> I knew you were setting me up for a joke. <laughs> I just didn't know which one it was going to be. You can cut that if you need to. I just, I ha- it was not voluntary <laughs> at this point. Uh, 
and then to pull the wool over someone's eyes. One theory is that it derives from the habit of wearing woolen wigs, which could slip over one's eyes, but this is dubious because by the wearing of wigs, particularly in America, had largely fallen away by 1839, which is where we get our first uh, known citation of this phrase. Mm -hmm. Another explanation is that wool refers to woolen caps, which could be pulled over the eyes, but caps were made from all sorts of materials, so why wool in particular? A much more plausible explanation is simply the pulling down of a person's hair over their eyes. Uh, it says this makes better sense, especially as wool is recorded as slang for hair in America at that time. Hmm. It's also from idiomorigins.org. Thank you, Internet. Can I also just say pulling someone's eyes over the wool is terrifying. <laughs> that's that's unpleasant imagery. Just yank them out of the sockets. Just then drag them over something that's rough. Yeah. Because, you know, that's what you do with eyes. <laughs> it's a great sensation. Um, but again, I like the, the sentiment of this and I, I oh, think absolutely. it speaks to your point that like, he's trying to psych himself up that these don't always make sense. I think that feels very intentional to me. Uh, one more thought on the song. Mm -hmm. The very last line before we get the last chorus is sounds behind us and hounds will find us and death and taxes and all, <laughs> which really makes me think that this is, you know, leftover from interactions with humans and they just have the phrase death and taxes in their vocabulary without really knowing what taxes are yeah that would make sense that would make a great deal of sense and so at some point i i could have sworn at some point we're gonna get this great line from boober that only two things are certain in life death and laundry hmm. but i couldn't find a reference to it on on muppet wiki they just cite like uh there's a, a dave goals quote talking about boober and just talking about, you know, Boober's character in general, but they don't cite where exactly that quote comes from. And if it's only from Dave Goals talking about Boober, then why does my brain have this specific memory of Boober saying death and laundry? So I'm going to keep an eye out for that. Mm -hmm. It could just be that it's so, like, in line with his character that, you know, sometimes memory is funny. Like, it just crafts itself sometimes. But I also wouldn't be surprised if that's a line that pops up from him at some point in the series. Truth. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. That's a very boober line. So yeah, before we get to the postcard, we have... Um, Boober's telling Wembley about his nightmare again, right? Yep. But this time, like, in t telling about, like, the crack and the earth opening up, he says that the pit is full of germs. Right? Like, that is a 2020 nightmare. Oh, yeah. Very relatable. I was just trying to think, like... Because we can't see germs, so would it just be, uh, it looks like an empty pit, but really, like, it's full of all of the germs and, and diseases Boober's afraid of? Or would they be like, you know, when we think of, like, the microscope, would it be a bunch of giant germs, like, crawling around a pit? That's what I was thinking about. I mean, I don't know. Do, don't most pits have germs? Who disinfects pits? <laughs> That's true. That's you could argue that germs are literally everywhere, everywhere and on everything. <laughs> I would. I don't would. Tell don't tell Boober. <laughs> don't tell me what. <laughs> ah, I can't do a Boober. That would have been funny. Anyways. So minor spoiler: Boober at some point in the series is going to get a song all about germs. Mm -hmm. Good for him. And I won't say how that song plays out, but it is a delight. I love this for him, and I foresee only joy. <laughs> only joy. Only joy and relaxation for Boober. So yeah, Gobo. Uh... Gobo lost his jacket. Am I losing my mind, or was he... No, you're right, and it, okay. it feels weird. It felt 
so, so weird. Yeah, he's just in his little tank top now. Mm-hmm. Which he does end up, you know, skipping ahead a little bit, he is going to put on a whole different outfit at the end of this episode, and so I didn't know if maybe that was the reason he lost it, so it's just easier for him to don everything else later. But it just like after seeing him for so many episodes... It was just such a different look that I wasn't expecting for what, even though it's just, it's literally just him losing his little jacket. Yeah. And this is pre-season one makeover. Mm-hmm. So his look later on is going to be different from what it is now. Yeah. But then it'll stay that way at the least. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. the exception of a couple of minor costume changes. Yeah. So Red is like, oh, Gobo must be, you know, going to get ready. And Moki asks, like, if he... It, you know, aren't, isn't he scared? And Gobo's doing that puffed up thing like, oh, what? I, I was born for adventure. Yeah, uh, it, it's in my blood. And like, he's psyching himself up. But mm-hmm. I want to pay specific attention to the expectations. Mm-hmm. Because for me, that was the big theme in this episode is the expectations placed on him of you are, of course, going to go on this big dangerous journey because that is who you are. That is the role you play in our group of friends, mm-hmm. in our society as a whole. So, yeah, that's just something I want us to pay attention to throughout the episode. Yeah. Because it definitely gets more intense throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. And that tracks because, you know, Gobo is, what, we're 11 episodes in now, and he has been, like, their fearless leader for... Well, you know, pretty much the entire time. So it mm-hmm. it makes sense why they would look to him and be like, yeah, he's going to do this thing. You know, Red Red keeps like, you know, calling him out on the fact that he, he is afraid. And well, I was going to say that her, her and Goba are the... No, because I guess Wembley's like his best friend, technically. But yeah. Her and Gobo are very close and they're very similar in a lot of ways. And so it makes sense also why she maybe is like, you know clocking him and being like oh no you you are afraid to do this um but you know he's gobo's also like such a proud character that he doesn't want to admit that he's he's scared yeah yeah well and she keeps she keeps being like you're not actually gonna go you're not actually gonna go and that is a really good setup for the moment that we have later um which we'll get to so i feel like there's got to be a specific screenwriting term for this thing where you show all the differences between the various characters by having them all react to the same thing in their different ways. Mm-hmm. Contrast. Yeah. So he's going to go, you know, I've got to go rescue my uncle Madden. Oh, he says, Oh, he's the bravest fraggle in the universe. Wembley says he's got ice water in his veins. Mm-hmm. Uber says he's going to be up to his neck in germs. And Red says he's the biggest bluffer I've ever seen. So we get a great snapshot of their different reactions to yeah yeah Yeah. all their which is a really useful tool defined characters also one of them says he has he's got cold tootsies which i loved (laughs) i love that line instead of cold feet it's cold tootsies Mm -hmm. yeah red says that one she's like he's not gonna go he's got cold tootsies yeah i just liked it you don't hear the word tootsies enough (laughs) no not since they stopped making tootsie pops Mm -hmm. yeah and then we get a traveling mat card and then we get a traveling mat card I love I love that this starts off as really silly and he's like trying to translate the language of car horns and he's like explaining like, yeah, no. And you get these little images of like the car honks at him and he like makes a honk noise back, which I don't know if normal people do that. But every time I've been honked at well, as a pedestrian, I've also made a honk noise back because <laughs> screw you, other car. Uh, 
But the fact that at the end he like gets it, and he's like, yeah, this this roughly translates to howdy neighbor, move it or lose it. And I'm like, oh, you know, you you, you understood that. Like that's that's about what that means. Yeah, cool. You speak car now. Which I just thought was like delightful. Just the image of Matt beeping back at the cars and you know having what he perceives as communication. It was it made me happy. Yeah, it was a cute moment. I related to it a lot as an autistic dude. Legit. I also love that we now know the official language is Fraggleish. Mm-hmm. Oh. Because he says translated loosely into Fraggleish. Hmm. And yet, is Fraggleish is the same as English? <laughs> Don't think about it too hard. Actually, Fraggleish came first. English is rooted in proto Fraggleish. Yeah. Oh, of course. I would believe that the Fraggles were around on Earth for longer. At least we're more de- a developed society before humans created all of our own languages, including. English. Yeah. Alrighty, so he decides that before he goes, he has to go visit the trash heap. Yeah. Who I love. Absolutely adore the trash heap. And they're all sleeping. Everybody's sleepy in this episode. Mm-hmm. We get this wonderful moment. She says, rise and shine, fellas, we've got a seeker. <laughs> Philo has this great line, there's one born every minute. <laughs> yeah. Like there's a sucker born every minute. But I love the idea that the fraggles that come to her for wisdom and advice are seekers. Yeah, mm. that's a nice sentiment. And it's it's almost it feels very like anticlimactic because she's like, oh yeah, I knew your I knew your uncle. He was really cool. I gave him a bunch of advice about adventures, and I told him to go already. You just don't go. Yeah, he's probably fine. He probably has the flu. It was a very weird session with Marjorie because at yeah. first she's like, you know, Gobo's like, oh, I've got to go. It's my duty. She's like, what's with this duty all of a sudden? But then upon hearing that he's Matt's nephew, she's like, oh, yeah, I, I remember when he was little and I told him just to go already. Enjoy it. And then again, another 180. She's like, why look for trouble? Don't go. OK. I it feels to me almost like this is like one of her good days and like she's actually being prophetic. Mm. Well, she does say that he probably just has the flu. Mm-hmm. And Good point. Spoiler for the end of the episode: he did just have the flu, and so yeah, this she's on the money this time because also like he doesn't have to go because the postcard shows up, and so mm-hmm. everything she says comes to fruition. Mm-hmm. It also feels like she's acknowledging the deeper difference between his like personality and traveling Matt. Because Traveling Matt was clearly really excited about this, but nervous. And she was like, yeah, go. And Gobo doesn't want to do this. Mm. And she's like, so don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And even after she says that, he was like, oh, I didn't want to do it. And so maybe she like reads that within him that he's not the same. He does not feel that same level of excitement as his uncle did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then at the end, after the conversation, she goes back to sleep. And there's this beautiful image of her like yawning and just deflating. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And a cute little moment, uh, normally, you know, when File and Gunge introduce her, it's like, the all-knowing trash heap. Yeah. And this time, instead of saying, yeah, they yawn. <laughs> and they also yeah. refer to her as the cosmic cruddiness, which I just love. It's a good title. That was a fake yawn, but it turned into a real one. I'm sleepy. Same. Hey, listener, I hope I made you yawn. Go take a nap. You deserve <laughs> it. <laughs> Uh, so then Gobo heads back to Fraggle Rock, where everyone is setting up for a giant going away surprise party for Gobo, mm-hmm. not knowing that he's resolved at this point to stay. And then they all jump out to surprise him, and Gobo has this moment where he's like, 
I guess I guess I've got to go now. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't have a choice. And they sing a song, and during the song, he's like donning all of this like this armor. He's got like this spiky coat. He's got what looks like almost like a little aviator cap. Um, mm-hmm. And then they give him also just a stick with a giant scary face on it to scare the germs away. I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah the song is called "Rolling, Rolling On." Um, but yeah. I also can I just say that moment before they jump out, there's a just like a single Tuzer truck going by, which is a really good world building and makes it feel more organic. And B, that like noise in the silence was a little bit unsettling. I was like, oh, something mm-hmm. bad's gonna happen. <sighs> yeah, and they're also doing a tracking shot of Gobo as he's walking around looking for where everybody went, and the camera's like following mm-hmm. him as he's walking through the space, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, y'all should talk more about the party, and then I want to get into my like deep. The, the moment about the red the the thing and the stuff yeah i'm good at word thing <laughs> i'm great languager so <laughs> there's this great interlude in the middle of the song because the song is all about you know psyching gobo up to be like you can do this scary thing and we're cheering you on mm. woohoo and he tries to tell them like oh well actually i have something to tell you and moki of course mm-hmm. this is the third time we've now seen her steamrolling because she assumes what she she assumes she knows what someone else is feeling without actually asking she says no no you don't have to tell a thing tomorrow you will face the unknown alone and we think you're heroic don't we fraggles Hmm. it's just yeah moki's now firmly established herself as the one who tries to be supportive by not actually listening to people yeah yeah so there's this big whole party. Mm-hmm. And then we have a really beautiful exchange. And it's incredibly artful how they do this because you, we all realize with Red that the reason she's making all these jokes about how he's not actually going to go is because she doesn't want him to go. Mm-hmm. And they could have said – they could have just had that as a line of dialogue and it would have been cheesy in camp. But they let us realize it. And that's really sweet. And the reason that all of the like weird kind of cowboy John Wayne style stuff is there is because that's him engaging in performative bravery. Yes. He's like, I need to act brave and I need to be acting brave like these role models, even though he's not feeling it. And when we actually see him choose to act brave, he drops all of that. And she's like, you're not going to go. And he just says, see you later, Red. And that's how she knows he's serious. Mm-hmm. And that's how he knows he's serious. Yeah. It's a great moment of show don't tell mm-hmm. you know because yeah they could just put it in plain words of her being turning to the camera being like but i don't actually want him to go but they do it instead through like their conversation the performance the tone of red you know her after he walks off like she has a moment to herself and it's very smart as is like this entire show but i agree that it's a really poignant moment mm-hmm. and it's really well set up yeah good build to it because you have the, the two through lines, right? You have the through line of her being like, oh, he's not going to go. He's not going to go into the realization of the, oh, I don't want him to. And then you have him being like, oh, I'm brave. I'm brave. And like, no, I, I got to go. And so you get these two double payoffs that are linked at the same time. And that's not easy to pull off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not only do they do it, they did it really subtly. It's really good writing in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me double check who this episode is written by. This episode was written by David Young, who is not one of the names that I already had in the back of my head, but I will now learn it. 
wrote 11 episodes of Fraggle Rock. Okay. That's a good amount of episodes. Yeah. That's a solid yeah. amount of episodes. Knows his stuff. Dang, he wrote Marooned. He wrote Marooned? Oh, yeah. That oh. makes sense why he, like, has, I don't know, the, I don't know, expertise on writing on, like, well, definitely heavier topics like Marooned, but like can give mm-hmm. the chops. can give like the grace to these moments. Um, yeah, that a lot of other like shows meant for kids don't necessarily give. So yeah, cool. <laughs> no spoilers yet. We will get to <laughs> that intense episode. <laughs> I really thought Marooned was earlier in this season, so knowing we have to wait till closer to the end is a bit of a bummer. But I'm excited to get there because it's one of the best episodes, and it makes me cry. Anyway, no spoilers. Moving on. Definitely not. <laughs> I, I guess we'll get there when we get well, it. We'll get there when we get there. After this scene, we cut back to uh, Doc and Sprocket, and I did write down what. In the Ebenezer Scrooge is Doc wearing to sleep in. He's just wearing like the classic like old timey big shirt nightgown. Uh, it's so good. Give this man a candle on a candlestick holder. Basically, yep. like if you had asked me before this episode, what does Doc wear to sleep? I would have said like a matching set of like flannel, st- like plaid pajamas or something. Yep. But nope, he's wearing the big shirt look. Which was just. I wanna. Yeah. I want that to be a swear now. Just what in the Ebenezer Scrooge are you doing? <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he's putting Sprocket to bed, and Sprocket is still so afraid of the thunderstorm that he wants to wear the lightning deflector to sleep in. Yeah. Well, I mean, who wouldn't? It looks so comfortable. Yeah, super comfy, cozy. Uh, and then Doc turns the light off to go to sleep, and that's when we get Gobo entering the space because he's decided he's gonna what he's gonna like practice right for mm-hmm. for taking off mm-hmm. and so he's come in the middle of the night to wander the workshop and he also we've got sprocket with the deflector on his head and gobo is still holding his big like mask on a stick to scare away germs yeah and so at first he's like okay this is no problem this is just a, a pitch black room with a door in it like any other number of pitch black rooms i've been in before the odd little crack full of germs, nothing to be alarmed about. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. I love that he's he's gone from psyching himself up to calming himself down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, self-soothing. Yeah. Like those moments when you have to become your own expert authority figure of like, there's nothing dangerous here. This is fine. I can regulate my own emotions. <laughs> yep. Uh, but then, yeah, Sprocket and Gobo freak each other out because they're not expecting to see... The other one, let alone, like, with all the other, you know, contraptions or outfits on. I've had relationships like that. They're both looking very different and very extra. Yes, exactly. And they mm-hmm. both get freaked out, and Gobo runs back into the fraggle hole. Well, and it's fascinating, and, like, I, I, any other show, I would assume that this is just, uh, like, an accident, but with Fraggle Rock, it's entirely possible it's intentional. The things that freak each other out are specifically the things that they're clinging to to try to feel safe in a situation. Mm, yeah. Yeah, what brings them comfort is the thing that scares the other the other one. Mm-hmm. And that, that feels significant somehow, but I'm not sure how. Like, how does that... It's not exactly on theme, but it is a very poignant piece of organic symbolism. Yeah. Like, I'm just trying to think of, like, what a correlation in, in real life would be. Uh, I mean, relationships where your coping mechanism that keeps you safe pushes people away mm. or even just looks off-putting like isn't necessarily dangerous just seems weird mm-hmm. yeah yeah comes off as scary even yeah, yeah. this has been deep relationship advice <laughs> with fraggle talk <laughs> pivoting onto we get it's it's a scene that comes off as really somber 
with uh, Wembley and Gobo, but it has my favorite joke in the entire episode where he's like, like he gives Wembley all of his moves to rocks and then he's like, all right, I want you to give this to Red. What is it? It's the only thing I ever won. Pie eating contest. Honorable mention. And I... Yeah. Was howling. So oh my god. Gobo says yeah. this with like one hand over his heart, the other hand in the air, pie eating. Gravitas. With, yes, with the gravitas of a war veteran with a medal of bravery, and it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jerry Nelson's delivery of that line, he gives it, he gives it, it's, it's he deserved a, oh, an award for it, I almost swore right there. He, <laughs> He deserved an Emmy for just that one line delivery. It was great. Um, 100%. Yeah, Gobo is giving all of his prized possessions away to his friends and is clearly getting ready to go out into the world and not maybe not come back for all he knows. Yeah. So, you know, he says, I want Red to have it after I'm gone. And Wembley, for the first time, is like, gone? You don't mean... And just leaves that hanging. And Gobo says, Wembley, I wish I could tell you how I'm feeling, but I just can't. Just give it to her after I'm gone, okay? And he says, I wish I understood this, Gobo. Gobo says, yeah, me too. It's, it feels so heavy. I will. I, I don't want to touch mm-hmm. on this for too long because this gets maybe too deep, but the, the thought of someone giving a lot of their prized possessions away to their closest friends. I, uh, yeah. Yeah, and again, like, I don't, I don't think that that's what they're trying to get at with this episode, um, but that is something that I couldn't help but think about in watching this scene. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely muddles the theming a little bit mm-hmm. in a way that, like, I don't know. It, it, I got what they were going for, but it also... I, I don't necessarily know if that was an intentional parallel, but it definitely, for anyone who's been in, like yeah. adjacent to that kind of situation, it, it will jump out very starkly. Mm-hmm. What I appreciated about it is that, so most children's shows are trying to, like, they're all about helping their young audience find the words to express what they're feeling, because that is a skill that human beings have to learn. Some people never do. Mm-hmm. But... There aren't always ways to do that. There are moments where you can't put words to what you're feeling. Like, not just kids, but grownups too. And that's what they're teaching in this moment? That sometimes, like, try as you might, there aren't always words to express how you're feeling? Yeah. Like, dang. Mm -hmm. I also just, I appreciate how earnest it was. Yeah. Like, they're, they're so good at being silly and they're so good at that moment of like no 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 actually no we mean this this is earnest i also wish i knew how to talk about this i value it a lot yeah and that's what i i love that i when i rewatch the series over and over you know i pick up something new every time and so this was that moment for me of like oh i didn't see that last time mm-hmm. yeah yeah so then it's time for him to go He's all getting ready to go. And can I just say, if I was going to go on a dangerous trip, I would want all of my loving community to say goodbye to me by singing harmonies. Right? It's so sweet. I would want that. Yeah, so apparently this song is called Now's the Time for Parting, but there there really isn't much lyrics. Like, that's it's just that one line and then a lot of humming. And it's, it's, very, it's a slowed down, bittersweet version of the same Catch the Tail by the Tiger melody. Yeah, just repurposing it. And yeah, Gobo finally admits to his friends that he's scared about leaving, and they all have this moment of like, "You don't need to go, my dude." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they start by saying like, you know, oh, Moki, of course, is like, oh, he's being so brave, and Gobo's like, 
like, I'm not even brave enough to tell you guys the truth. He finally does. And I love that, you know, he says, Red's right. I don't even know where I'm going. And she says, why go then? And he says, you guys expect me to. And I was like, boom, there it is. Yeah. So this reminded me very strongly of, have you ever been, like, pigeonholed into a role in your group of friends? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I was leaving Portland uh, the first time to uh, move up to Olympia for a few years to go to school. And, you know, a friend that I had made was, you know, we were saying goodbye and she was talking about how, you know, it was really cool, like, you know, ha- having you, you know, become part of our friend group and, and, you know, we kind of took on this, we kind of took on this role and it was a lot of fun, but I think it might have been to your detriment a little bit in terms of limiting both how we saw you as a full human being and limiting your growth beyond that role. Dang. Right? I was like, holy cow. I don't know if I would have connected those dots if she hadn't laid it out for me. And that just this whole episode like really brought home to me of like, yeah, the the expectations that we place on each other, whether unintentionally or intentionally. Yeah. And how like it's easy to do it. Like you just said with your friends, like we do it just based off of, I don't know, biases that just naturally we garner over the years with the people that we're closest to, you know, and obviously you can do it with like, you know, organizers or leaders or whatnot, but it's even just like people in your, in your day-to-day life, you know, that you've known for so long that you just eventually have expectations on them. And sometimes they don't want to adhere to those expectations and they don't always have to either. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we get this great moment of like all of them realizing like, Oh, well then just don't go. And red is the one to say it very like simple and bright and matter of fact and almost invitational. Mm -hmm. Don't go. And then, He's like, oh, gosh, thanks, guys. But then you hear the background fraggles singing, time to say goodbye. And Gobo's like, no, I gotta go. And the turnaround between, gosh, thanks, guys, and I gotta go is seven seconds. Wow. Wow. And I remember us talking about, you know that scene when uh, Red was afraid to go into the, the whole the outer space? And that timing was like, deliberately slow and we got to feel the full weight of it. I feel like this was, at least for me, felt like a contrast that it it didn't feel slow enough. Like it felt rushed and I, I wanted more time to breathe. I wanted more time to feel Gobo feeling the weight of the switch between, you know, that, that rush of relief and then, oh, no, I actually do have to go. Yeah, that feels intentional because Gobo also would have liked more time. To kind of sit with that Ooh. and didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Dang, that's a good point. We've also seen him flip back and forth a couple times now where he was certain he was going to go. And then Marjorie told him not to. And then the surprise party. And then like, here's this reveal. But now suddenly everyone's singing goodbye to him. And it's just, you know, all of these changes back and forth. And, you know, it's all coming to him fast that maybe, yeah, maybe it's just that he just has to deal with it in the moment. Like, and he probably would, yeah, like, like it was said, you know, have more time, but. He's just, like, stuck and got to commit to it in the second. Yeah. yeah. And I like that the, the reasoning that he gives here isn't, well, they all expect me to. It's because my uncle traveling Matt means a lot to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, that is 
like a legit thing that we have like found a brain chemistry reason for that like fear plus oxytocin which is the bonding chemical that we get when we feel a connection with other people fear plus oxytocin equals bravery hmm that like we can be scared and then if we see someone else in trouble that we identify as like some like part of our tribe or however you want to you know however our, our old lizard brains interpret that is a person that I need, that I feel connected to, then we get the bravery to go do the thing. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And and also he, he chooses, yeah, he chooses to leave for Uncle Matt. And ultimately it's not the expectations of everyone else around him. He realizes he has to go because he loves his uncle and he cares about his uncle and wants to make sure he's okay. It really feels like the moral of this one is, you know, if you're going to do a dangerous thing, Make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. yeah. Not just because other people want it of you. Mm -hmm. Adam, you had mentioned uh, <laughs> in episode one, when we were talking about the various music styles we were going to get, you were like, Gregorian chants? And I was like, oh, I don't know if we get Gregorian chants. I think the background fraggles being like, so long go go. <laughs> Might be the closest we get. <laughs> I was gonna say that's definitely not actual like stylistic Gregorian chants, but it does. It is the closest we've gotten so, so far. far. <laughs> uh, and then there's this really lovely moment where he walks back and he's got a card. Well, let's not cut to that too fast because we we first get this like after Gobo's gone, we get to see everyone's different reactions mm -hmm. of grief and Ooh, loss. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, at first, Wembley's just like, I don't feel so good. And then he gives Red, uh, you know, Gobo's pie-eating prize. And they both start to cry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Wembley starts to cry and walk away. And then Boober is like, oh, she's crying. I can't bear this. And he starts to cry and walk away. Like, they're all separating from each other to go deal with this alone. Mm -hmm. Except for Red and Moki, who stick together. And Red's like, I'm, I'm going to keep this prize forever and ever. You know, and Moki says, until Gobo comes back to us, no matter how long it takes. And, you know, Boober and Wembley are just like, I, I want to be alone for a while. And that's when Gobo returns. Like, I, I, I got a card. <laughs> you can see how awkward he feels. Like, he's just coming back so anticlimactically of like, I got a card. Yeah, he left for one minute and then he's <laughs> back very quickly. That's fine. He had the flu. Yeah, um, I do. I did really like the moment once he was back and everyone was happy for his return. But then he's like, "Do you, do y'all want to hear the card?" And everyone immediately is like, "I got this other thing I gotta do," and no one wants to hear the postcard. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The excuses they give are, "I've got some laundry to do, maybe later," and "I gotta go take a nap." <laughs> I mean, they're probably drained from that entire experience, so. They probably do actually need a nap, but yeah, it's just they've been waiting on this postcard the entire episode, and now that it's finally here, they're like, eh, we don't, we get it. We know Matt's postcards, it's fine. Yeah. It's more just the, the fact that it finally showed up is what, you know, yeah. changes everything, and not so much the content of the postcard. Well, and then, like, the, the tail end of that is they're all just kind of leaving him, and he's standing there, and then Red pops up. Yeah. And it's not that she wants the postcard, she just yeah, wants to hang out with him. she to, like, spook him for a second, and then they start, they chase each other mm -hmm. and start playing mm -hmm. and it's very nice it's really sweet well so first she has this moment where she's like insulted personally that like all of this like how dare you make me feel things for nothing kind of a kind of a vibe because she tosses his prize back to his feet and says i believe this belongs to you and 
walks away with her nose in the air. Well, I was wondering if it was her feeling like insulted that, you know, she did have to show all these emotions and she's embarrassed or if it is just her putting on, you know, her kind of going back to this character she was before and she's putting on this act of being kind of like mm-hmm. above it all and not actually caring. Uh, but then we see when she comes back, mm-hmm. you know, for the last moments of the scene that, you know, she is happy that her friend is there yeah. and that she cares that he he's not going to go to outer space without her or anything like that. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, and then we have the tail end of Doc and Sprocket, which we've already talked about. Sprocket got struck by lightning and is super into it. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Yeah, it's an interesting choice to land on. Yeah. He's probably got lifelong brain damage. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh. I mean, at least he's conquered his fear, I guess, is the... I mean, I think it is interesting that... And I'm super reading way too deep into this, but, like, in the instance where, like, Doc wants to do something and Sprocket doesn't, Doc will force Sprocket to do something. And in the instance where Sprocket wants to do something and Doc doesn't, Doc will be like, ugh, fine, all right, I'll do it, and then do it again. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that is, there's there's something maybe there, whether it's there on purpose or not. I could also be scraping the bottom of the barrel. I am tired. (laughs) So, last note on the international versions. Yes. Oh, we got an international listener who uh, gave us the correct pronunciation of the German names for Ned Schimmelfini and Fluffinella. That was so great. I saw that, yeah. Oh, word? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Should I should I pull that up real quick and, and quote them? Could yeah. you please? I have not had a chance to look yeah, at anything yeah. because it was the last week of school. So this comes to us from at Hoarding Puffin on Instagram. Thank you so much. Thank you, at Hoarding Puffin. It says, finish the episode. Uh, also, I'm so happy to hear the German variant reference to as a German Fraggle geek. A friend recommended I should add pronunciation guides for the German names for Fluffadella and Ned Schimmelfinny. So here goes. Uh, the cat's name in German is uh, Flippinula. <laughs> That's amazing. And Schimmelfinny is Heimelgrauler. Heimelgrauler and Flippinula. Heimelgrauler and Flippinula. So thank you so much. All right. Lada on Instagram. Rad. That's awesome. <laughs> that sounds like the best knockoff, like banjo and kazooie ever. Heimel Growler and Flippy Lula. <laughs> uh, in the German version, Uncle Matt's postcard is uh, new footage shot in Austria. Matt is amazed by a yodeling man and three others uh, playing alp horns. He tries to copy their actions and also tries to smoke a pipe, but doesn't enjoy it. <laughs> Remember, kids, don't smoke; it's bad for you. In the French version. Let's say, worried by news of an energy crisis, Doc saddles Croquette, uh, one of Uncle George's gadgets, to act as a moving target and collect and utilize natural energy. Croquette's fears are only exacerbated by this. While Doc monitors the energy on a panel, he removes the lightning hat and sneaks back in. When the lightning rod is struck by lightning, Doc is shaken and realizes that his dog is more important than an energy raid like. <laughs> I like that doc. Wow. Yeah. Can we get that one? Where's that realization in this doc? Meanwhile, Uncle Matt rides atop of an automobile, noticing the French signs and motorist reactions to lights and each other. <laughs> cool. How can we make the world more fragglier based off of this episode? I'll take the earnest one first instead of the joke one last. Um, Be open with your friends about how you feel about them instead of hiding behind a uh, protective layer of irony. If you really want your friend to not go do something dangerous, just tell them that. Yeah. Um, 
my mind's silly. Just if you are afraid of germs or getting sick, just make a giant mask of a scary face, put it on a stick, and carry it around with you. And that will surely solve all of your problems. Mm -hmm. I don't know if a stick is the most effective place to put a mask to protect you from germs. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) I was Uh... a different kind of mask. (laughs) Or, you know what? You're right, though. Make a scary mask out of, like, one of uh, N95 or a nurse's mask or something and just put that on yourself and, you know, then go out into the world. You might get some even stranger looks than just carrying it around on a stick, though. Well, you know how at the Exploratorium, like, they give you a little, like, sticker when you welcome, and when you leave, you have to add it to the sticker statue? Well, we've been looking for something to do with used N95s for a long time. I mean, Hear me out. Yeah. Just make them into a weird, scary mask art. Scare those germs away. I mean, it'll definitely scare away the anti-maskers. <laughs> That's Like, ooh, also, which, I'm super masked. Which aren't they the germs of the people? Anyway. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> anti-maskers, the germs of people. You yeah. heard it here first. <laughs> Beth, how are we going to make the world a little fragglier? <sighs> you can just say, remember to install your updates on your computer before you start oh recording. Oh my god, that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was going to say a thing about, like, roll within the group and blah 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 but you're absolutely right make any necessary installations before it's time to record the podcast (laughs) (laughs) legit all right that is it for this one thanks so much for listening reminder to check out toughpigs.com if you want to find me on social media i am at beth anna cook that's anna with two n's you can find me at geek girl grown up or occasionally writing for Tough Pigs, and also at juliagaskill.com for some poetry stuff. I am not yet ready to be perceived, but soon I might be. Ooh. Foreshadowing. (laughs) Nah, five-shadowing, because that's one more than (laughs) foreshadowing. We'll see you next time. Don't forget to dance your cares away. Down at Fraggle Talk. Bam. Fraggle Talk Classic is brought to you by ToughPigs.com. Fraggle Talk Art by Dave Hultine Jr. The Fraggle Rock mark and logo, characters, and elements are trademarks of the Jim Henson Company. All rights reserved. The Fraggle Rock theme song, written by Philip Balsam and Dennis Lee, is used with permission. Special thanks to the Jim Henson Company and the entire Fraggle Rock family. For more from Tough Pigs, please find us at Tough Pigs on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, TeePublic, and Patreon. Fraggle Talk Classic is produced and edited by me, Beth Cook. Thank you to Joe Hennis, the Tough Pigs Muppet Fan Podcast Executive Producer. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Down at Fraggle Talk. Drink this coffee very quickly before we start. Oh, there's so much more than I thought there was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad we have that, because that's a perfect sting for the after credits thing.